This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. Praise God. It is so important that we honour one another, isn't it? When we honour one another, we... It has a power. It has a power to affirm things that God said over one another. And it spurs us on to do more, doesn't it? So, praise God. Um, This morning, we're going to be sharing the covenant meal together. So, you can see we've got four tables out. Um, And I just want to share, just maybe for the next 15, 20 minutes or so, some things from the Word with you. Um, Because today is a day to remember. It's Remembrance Sunday. Um, If you just want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11, and we're going to read from there together to start with. So 1 Corinthians 11, this is where Paul is um, passing on to us what he'd received. Um, What he'd received is what Jesus had passed on to the disciples uh, on the night of the Passover. And it says in verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup, this cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And Jesus commanded us to take this meal together. It's not a chore, but it's a privilege and it's a blessing to us. Um, But he commanded us because it's so important for us to share this meal together. And I want to just talk about four things this morning, which are the power in this meal. And when we talk about a remembrance, we often talk about something in the past. So today we're reflecting on what's happened in the past. When we talk about Jesus' death, it's the past, it's the present, and it's the future. His death transcends time. Unlike fallen soldiers that never get up again, he was the one who got up again. And when we come together to take this meal together, when you take a step back and you look at what we do, it's a bit strange, isn't it? It's a piece of bread. That's all this is. It's just a piece of bread. But something happens when we come to this piece of bread in faith. And you know, there's, there's lots of things that the Lord has given us that are physical that help us to lay hold of something that's spiritual. And it's really important because we must never look at spiritual things and regard them as just symbolic. You know, only a few weeks ago when David was talking about marriage and the importance of marriage and how it points to a higher spiritual reality, that doesn't take anything away from the importance of the physical marriage and all that that represents and all that it entails. Later on today, we're going to have a baptism. It's just water over there. But when someone enters in faith, giving themselves to Jesus, a death happens. A death, a cutting off of the old life. 
And something happens in the spiritual realm that these eyes cannot see, but these eyes can see. And when we bring our faith today, there is the power to lay hold of spiritual riches. So I want to encourage you this morning to remember Jesus, but in doing so, you're laying hold of the provision of God's covenant that we've been spending these last few months talking about, considering, preaching from, looking into the word about. It's those covenant provisions. They're for you. They're for you. The provisions of God's covenant are for you and for your life. In Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing, Paul tells the Ephesians. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. Not most of them, all of them are yours in Christ Jesus. So when we come around the table later on, the word instructs us that we need to consider ourselves, we need to come properly. Because we come in need. And we've come to be blessed this morning. There's nothing wrong with that. But in all of that blessing, Jesus must have the preeminence. In all that we do, Jesus must have the preeminence. That means there are so many things where we're called to look within and to consider the state of ourselves, but we must never stop there. Our eyes must come from within and look up to him. Because whatever's going on here with you, he's what matters. And it's because of him that whatever's going on in your life will line up with him. It's because of the power of his death that whatever situations you face or troubles or even things within your personality, God can deal with those because of what Jesus has done. So let's let him have the preeminence today in all that we do. The second thing is, I believe this meal has for us the power to realize the extent of God's love for you. And the Lord wants you to know, every time we come together, above all things, he wants you to know how much he loves you. How much he loves you. And I want just to turn to a scripture that I just turned up the other day, and it's a scripture that I um, first found when I was about 16 in Isaiah 49. So if you just turn with me to that while I'm talking... It's a short little verse, but when I was 16, I'd been brought up with a a Christian background, I'd been to church, and not a lot of it was that real for me, I've got to be honest with you. And then just something happened to me. And the thing that happened to me was that I realised how much Jesus loved me. And that changed everything. Everything in my life turns on that moment of revelation that Jesus loved me. Thankfully, that wasn't the only time I realized Jesus loved me, because that was about 25 and a bit years ago. That revelation has grown, and it's to grow in me and and in you. But I just want to read this short little verse in Isaiah 49, verse 16. Let's just read 15 and 16. God's talking to Israel, and he says... Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she born? She has born. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. 
Your name is engraved on the palm of his hands. Your name is engraved on the palms of his hands. You know, Mary read from Philippians a little earlier about Jesus humbling himself to death on a cross. And I read this again recently, and I was thinking about those hands that did so much. Miracles came through those hands. People were touched, people were blessed, people were held, they were comforted, they were healed. And all the time, your name was on those hands. Your name was on those hands. And eventually, someone pierced those hands with a nail and drove a nail right through each of those hands. And blood poured forth for you. The blood poured across your name. And I thought about this recently. And I realised that my name was on his hands. And as the blood poured out of them, his blood ran over my name. My name has his blood on it. And that's not a bad thing. Because as Mary said... It wasn't taken from him. He gave it. He willingly let the blood flow from his hands on my name and on your name. I don't think there is anything more that God could do to demonstrate to you how much he loves you. His life was worth more than my life. It was worth more than your life. In fact, it was worth more than all of our lives, all of the lives on earth. It was worth more than the whole of creation. That's how much his life was worth to an infinite amount. There's nothing more that God could have given to say to you, I love you. Thank you. And in this meal this morning, the Lord wants you to know he loves you. He loves you. And it's not a soppy love. It's not a sentimental love. It's not a lovey-dovey love. It's a love that's blood and guts, if I can put it that way. It's a love that said, I love you so much that I went all the way to hell and stormed those gates for you. And when we consider that, how can we ever doubt that he loves us and yet we do don't we who hasn't had a moment when you either think there's something that you've done that is so bad or you've let him down for the so manyth time that finally you've got to the end of his patience yeah I've been further than that way past the end of his patience but he loved me enough to go all the way to the gates of hell and back for me. And that's how much he loves you. Paul writes to the Ephesians, and in chapter 3 he says, look, I want you to be rooted and grounded in this revelation. Above all things in your life, of all the things that I'm going to teach you, I want you to know this, that he loves you. 
That's the pinnacle of revelation. And you know what? It's the wellspring of everything else. Everything else that you need to know from the word, it starts with that revelation that God loves you. And if you have an ounce of doubt about that, the Lord wants it to be gone. He wants you to know that he loves you. If you just turn with me to Romans 8, we're just going to look at a couple of verses here. Romans chapter 8. So when we come to this meal, we, there is the power within this to realize how much he loves you. That that will be the foundation of your life. That God loves me. I know that God loves me. And then if you just go to um, verse 31 of chapter 8. Paul says this, what then shall we say in response to this? He's just been telling us about salvation and the great thing that God has done. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's what we sang this morning. God is for you. You know, last week when David was speaking, one of the things that David said was, God is for you. Whatever the situation you're in, Whatever your mindset, whatever challenges life has put in your way, God is for you. And if God is for you, none of those things can stand against you. You know, this morning there was a great thing that Holly read out. What psalm was that? I don't know. Holly? 89 in the message. And I think, if I remember rightly, it said, from every angle, God is mighty. Was that pretty much it? That's Chris Alton paraphrase. From every angle, God is mighty. Do any of you have a good angle and a bad angle? You know, this is my good angle. If you take the photo from this side. I don't have a good angle, unfortunately. When it comes to photos, anyway. God is powerful from every angle. And you know, when Holly read those words, I thought... It's like some people are standing around God and some are seeing him from behind and some are seeing him from... But all of us are seeing him as mighty. And I thought the different angles can actually be the different people that we are and the different situations that we're in. And actually, from where I am, it looks like God has turned his back on me because I'm looking at his back. But when I look at him, the word says, from every angle, God is mighty. He's not turned his back on me and he's mighty enough to deliver me in this situation. God is for me. And knowing that God is for you comes from knowing that God loves you. You have to know that God loves you before you believe that God is actually for you. And that knowledge will carry you through when sometimes it looks like you're looking at God's back and it looks like he's turned his back on you. The third thing is this. This meal has the power to renew your love for him. Let me tell you something about having a love for God. Okay? This is really simple, but I believe it's really important. You've either got a love for God in your heart or you haven't. Okay? So his love has to come into your heart. When you get saved, it says that the Spirit of God pours in the love of God. 
So much that you're overflowing with his love. That enables you to love him. And it starts with a revelation of how much he loves you. So you realize how much you need him as a sinner. You realize how much he loves you and how much he gave for you. And when you realize that, his love comes pouring in. And then it goes back out at him. So you're loving him with a love that he first loved you with. It's an otherworldly love. It's hesed love. It's covenant love. But you've either got that love or you haven't got it. Now here's the, the wonderful thing. If you've got that love, no matter how small it may seem at times, it can grow. It's like a flame that can be kindled until it grows into a massive fire. And there are times in our life when our love waxes and wanes. When our love for him is maybe not what it should be. You know, that was the the problem with the church in Ephesus. In, In Revelation, it talks about them losing their first love. You know, sometimes we can look at that and say, oh, we've got to return to our first love. Oh, right, I remember when I first got saved and it was intoxicating and I loved the Lord. I need to go back to that. No, you don't need to go back to that. You need to kindle the flame that's still within you, even though it's died down. You need to fan that love into flame. And you know, the only thing that will do that is a revelation of how much he loves you. When you see afresh how much Jesus loves you, it causes that flame to just build again until you know that you love him. There's nothing worse than that flame diminishing within us till we feel that we've got cold hearts. I've been in that place plenty of times where I felt little love because I've let the flame die down. And at those times, I've had to come back to the Lord and see afresh what he's done for me. See how unlovable I was when he loved me to hell and back. And then the flame starts to build again. What that produces in you and me is surrender. Because when you realize how much he loves you, what he's done for you, and how much you want to love him back, the only reaction is just to surrender. Just to fall on your knees before the Lord. Say, Lord, there are no words that can describe how much you love me and how much I love you. I'll do anything for you. Anything at all. And you know what's wonderful about that moment is that all of the arguments that you have in your head just vanish. All of the problems, all of the excuses that we make for ourselves, they all dissipate. And you say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. Brothers and sisters, we need to be coming back to that place and fanning into flame our love for him. Because if we don't, then everything else we do is just a noise and nothing more. The question is, does he have all of you? Or just some of you or most of you? Does he have all of your heart? And you're the only person that can answer that question. And I believe when that question's put to you, I think you really know in your heart whether he has all of you or whether there are things that you have persistently held back from him. Areas that are demarcated, do not touch. This is the fourth and final thing. 
This meal has the power for us to reclaim what has been lost. And I say lost in inverted commas. Once we realize the extent of his love for us, then we realize how much God will do all things for us. And if you just go back to Romans 8 and look at the next verse, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? There's two things here. Number one, Paul's saying very clearly, if God was willing to let his own son die, and for those of you who have sons or daughters, that's an unthinkable thought, but if he was willing to do that for you, that he loved you that much, anything else you can ask of him, anything else pales into comparison with what he's already done. Yeah? And the second thing is this. He says, will he not also, along with him, along with him, graciously give us all things? It's not that God will one day graciously give us all things. Maybe when you get to heaven, God will give you all the, all the blessings of the covenant. No, along with Jesus. Do we have Jesus? Has he been given to us? Then what the scripture is saying is that all things have been given with him. He came with all God's blessings. So Paul says to the Corinthians, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You think, is that really a blank check? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. For the promises of God, yes, it is. Not for us to interpret as we like, but to say all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. This meal and this covenant, with this, we lay hold of all the blessings of God. Seek first my kingdom and all other things I will add unto you. We need to have no doubt, no fear, no worries, no anxieties. Because all things came with Jesus. The trouble is, of course, that's not always the reality for us, is it? Sometimes I think we have allowed ourselves to sleepwalk into situations that are less than God's best for us. You know that um, experiment you can do with a frog where you put it in water? If you put a frog in boiling water, it'll jump out. If you put it in warm water and slowly turn the temperature up, it'll slowly start to cook and eventually boil and die, and it won't jump out. We're like the frog sometimes. We let ourselves get into situations, and gradually a situation builds, a status quo develops that we have just learned to accept. And we're sitting there, boiling, and we're doing nothing about it. When we come to the covenant, what we need to do is to say, Lord, your word says, this is your best for me. And I'm accepting less than your best. I have accepted things that are less than your best. Sometimes we believe lies that people have told us about ourselves. Sometimes we've just believed the enemy whispering in our ear lies about who we are. Would you know what? Knowing that Jesus loves you, loving him, and knowing now who you are in him, that, that's really your top three in terms of revelation. If you know who you are in Jesus, you'll never accept anything that the enemy tells you. 
Because you know who you are in Christ. You know that you mustn't accept less than his very best for you. So when we come together and we take this bread and we drink this wine, we consider again what his death has really accomplished. The blessings of the covenant. The covenant meal is a stand of faith. A declaration of that power over your life. To say, this is what Jesus has done. And whatever I've accepted in my life that's not of him or not his best for me, that is substandard, I'm going to push it off. And when we, late, later on this morning, when we are taking the bread and the wine, I want to give a little bit of time to pray with each other, just to pray the blessing of God on each other. And there may be things that you have accepted less than God's best. You don't have to be specific with the person that's praying, but let them take a stand with you and just pray God's bless, God's best blessing over your life in those areas where you've accepted less than God's best for you. Amen? Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.